All right. Go ahead and open up in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to continue where we left off last week. Um, have, you, uh, have you guys ever had something that you expected and then it happens and it's not quite what you expected? I hope I'm not the only one who's had that happen. That kind of describes my week, to be honest. <laughs> um, kind of describes a lot. But um, we're, we're going to see that happen, actually, in our text today. And I'm really looking forward to it. Um, boy, if I could not knock over everything that I have here. Dean made a joke. Uh, my first week here, he was, he was saying that if I lean on this wrong, they'll catch me in the second row. But there's nobody in the second row to catch me. I know why you don't sit there now. <laughs> All right. Um, let's read our text. So uh, Matthew chapter two, verses one through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came from Jerusalem, came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod, the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. And or after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, <coughs> they offered him gifts. Oh, sorry, got something in my throat. Gold and frankincense. Abby, can you hand me my water bottle, please? Gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Thank you. This is the word of the Lord. Take a drink and then we'll pray. Father, I thank you that we can come here, we can gather, we have the freedom to come and gather and worship your son, to make much of him, to glorify him, to, uh, to focus on him. Like, or like uh, Carl said, may we have our minds set on you, Lord Jesus. May we have our hearts set on you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. I don't like to sit when I preach. I'm always afraid I'm going to fall. Uh, so looking, looking at our text, we've, we've got a couple characters introduced. Uh, we've, we, I mean, starting last week, we've, or, uh, the first week we walked through the genealogy of Jesus and then we walked into the names of Jesus and, and what that really meant. Um, and now we're getting to a little bit more narrative portion. Um, 
the, how many of you guys, you don't have to raise your hand, just, just consider yourself. How many of you guys have a nativity set or have seen a nativity set? Most people in America actually know what goes in a nativity set. They don't even have to be Christians, but they know what goes on the nativity set. Uh, you know, it's Jesus married Joseph. It's a little feeding trough where Jesus sleeps, um, like that. And, uh, and, you know, then you've got some, some horses, some cows, a couple sheep maybe. And then you've got um, the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, the shepherds come, they, they visit Israel. And then you've got the wise men. Uh, otherwise known as the Magi or the Magicians. Um, the, the word is actually a little, um, uh, a little vague in Greek. <coughs> and um, the, unfortunately, our manger sets are wrong. <laughs> um, a lot is wrong. Actually, have you, have, you guys know the song, We Three Kings, We Three Kings of Orientar. Okay, uh, reading the text, where are the Magi from? It actually says they traveled east. The Orient is east of Jerusalem. So that would mean they would have had to travel west. So the song's wrong. (laughs) The song's wrong from where they're from. They actually came from the west and traveled east. And then, just to make it even better, how many magi are there? You sure? You sure there's three? That's not said. (laughs) We don't know. There could be two. We just know it's plural. There could be two. There could be ten. There could be a hundred uh, this could be a caravan of, of magi or, or wise, wise men. Um, or, uh, or, or as I, I like to call them, wise guys. But I lived in Chicago for a while, and wise guys aren't, aren't uh, they're, they're not wise. Um, they're they're, they're uh, hitmen. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, um, so, so all, we don't know much about these magi. Uh, there's, there's, there's not much to go off of. We do know that they're magi, which means they were probably actually advisors to a king. So we three kings of Orient are, they're not kings. <laughs> they're, they're probably advisors to a king. Uh, the word is, <coughs> is the same word that we use for Daniel, who was an advisor to Nebuchadnezzar uh, during the Babylonian captivity. Daniel was a, 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 a magioi would be the, the, the word in Greek. He was a magi. He was a magician. Was he a magician? No. But those folks typically were astrologers or interpreters of dreams, and they were wrong quite often, and they were often executed. Um, but, but here we are, I mean, hundreds of years after Daniel, and now, instead of Babylonian rule, you've got Roman rule. And they're still kings. They still use a lot of the same terms to describe people. Um, so these wise men were potentially actually from Babylon, from the, new, the, the Roman province of Babylon, where there was still a king, but it was a Roman king. And there were still advisors to the king called magi or magicians, which means something very different to us. Chances are they did not have top hats and white rabbits. Um, but we, but, but seriously, there's not that much known and, and they're introduced very, very quickly here in verse one after Jesus was born. So we know Jesus was already born, um, in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the King, behold, wise men from the East came from Jerusalem. That's all we know. That's it. We do know they brought three gifts, which is why we tend to think there's three of them. But again, (coughs) we don't know that. We don't know that for sure. 
We just know there's wise men. Um, so last week I ruined away in a manger and I said that Jesus probably cried. And now I'm ruining We Three Kings. I'm just ruining all your Christmas songs. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we, we, just, we just don't know that much about these guys. We just know they pop on the scene. And what, what, what did they follow to get there? A star. We know that they followed a star. That's, that's, that's it, all we're going off of, right? There's no Old Testament quotation. There's no, uh, there's, there's no statement. We just know that this, this star appeared. Um, and verse two, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Well, where do you find a king? You find a king in a palace. Excuse me, you find a king in, uh, in, in maybe the courts. Maybe he had a, a kingly lineage. Did Jesus have a kingly lineage? Yeah, he did. Was Jerusalem the capital city of Judea or Judah? Yeah, it was. Made sense. These magicians went to the right place, but it was the wrong place. It wasn't really what they expected, was it? So um, when, when, what, what are they using? Why did they know that there was a star that apparently represents this? Well, the answer is in the most messianic book of the Bible, Numbers. <laughs> uh, it's actually Numbers, chapter 24. I almost told you verse 13, but it's verse 17. So Numbers, chapter 24, verse 17. And if you know anything about the book of Numbers, you know that you fell asleep during it. Uh, you know, you know that there, there's not that many great Bible studies written on numbers. It's called numbers because it has numbers, just tons of numbers. Uh, it's a catalog, but in, in numbers, there's this, uh, experience of, of, of a false prophet named Balaam and, and Balaam's donkey is smarter than he is. Uh, we, 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 we mostly know that story if we've been in church long enough. Not everybody knows it that well. But Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, uh, Balaam gives this final oracle, and it's actually from God. His final oracles are actually from God, the last few he did. Um, He says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. That's been seen as a messianic prophecy. I mean, that was always regarded as it. But numbers just shows every book of the Bible is important, even numbers. Uh, <laughs> but but this, this is what they would have known. They would have known that particular statement. So they see the star. They're astrologers. They're examining the sky. They see the star. Apparently, it's announcing Jesus's birth. But isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? The heavens are declaring the glory of God. See, God, the father, was so proud of the birth of his one and only son that he made a star in the sky shine commemorating this this moment. That's how much God loves his own son. That's how much God the father loves his own son. See, we get stuck on John 3.16, for God so loved the world. But God's love is also for his son. And he, like a proud daddy, puts this cool star in the sky. And speaking of the star, we have no idea what the star was. 
Uh, I read a commentary that listed seven different options. And basically it boiled down to, hmm, <laughs> we have no idea. Uh, we, we, we just don't. And that's got to be okay with us. We just know that God declared the birth of his son through this star. So these magi leave potentially Babylon, uh, and there's potentially three to a million of them. They leave, they, they leave this place and they bring gifts. These three gifts, I mean, man, you'll, you'll hear commentators making a whole lot about these gifts. The, I mean, every other person has another interpretation for what these gifts mean. Uh, some scholars say they don't, they don't mean anything. They were just valuable things in, in the Near East, and they brought it. Cool. That's it. Um, but I think Matthew's kind of making a point, and this carries on with what we covered last week. Uh, the gold, typically what you give a king, you give the most precious metal on the earth, which is still gold with the exception of maybe uranium, but that's, that's a different, different thing. But, but this, this precious, not going to kill you metal... <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you bring it to a king. So the gold, I think, emphasizes Jesus's kingship because that's exactly what Matthew's done this, these last couple chapter or this last chapter. He's trying to establish the fact that this is the promised king, promised even in numbers. And then you've got the frankincense. Frankincense was actually a, uh, it, it, it was an incense. It was a, it, it was a particular thing that you would burn um, for the temple. It was, it, was an, it was an offering that you gave to the Lord. You, you, you burned frankincense. Actually, it wasn't just Israel that used it. Tons of pagan religions used frankincense because it, it made a lot of smoke and it smelled really good. So, uh, so this, this frankincense, I think, is epitomizing Jesus' divinity. Kind of like Jesus' name. Jesus, the Lord, saves and then you've got myrrh. Now, myrrh was a typical perfume. Uh, it, was, it was what uh, people would usually put in an alabaster jar, and you'd seal it over, and this would be something that you would hold on to, you would treasure, because it smelled wonderful um, in comparison to what they have now. I mean, I don't know. I, I think, uh, think our deodorant smells pretty good these days, but, but uh, buy that for $2 doesn't cost a fortune. But but this myrrh was like the most valuable thing you could give a person. Um, Valentine's Day just passed. Any of y'all husbands get your wife perfume? I didn't. Um, but <clears throat> hey, still valuable. Smell, sm- good thing, good smelling things are still important. So you, uh, you, uh, you, this, this myrrh probably emphasized Jesus' humanity. So you got these three gifts. You got these dudes that come out of nowhere. And you don't even know how many they are, but they've come. They've come to, to, to pay homage, to give honor to this promised king. They, they want to praise and adore him. They, they, they want to go out of their way to bring wonderful things to this king. And this king, this king is already glorious. So they go to a palace, find out he's not there. Then they go, they, they, <clears throat> they see the star appear and not just appear, but now it's settling over a particular place, identifying exactly where Jesus is. God is leading these magi to go praise the king. So they go and what do they find? 
They find a child playing with his mom. Is that necessarily what they were expecting? I mean, Joseph was a carpenter. This house probably wasn't much. It's probably built by Joseph. And they find this little boy. But they know there's something about him, so they, they give these gifts to him. They give him these, these wonderful gifts. And then they're gone. They're out. And we don't know anything about these magi even after that. This is their one appearance in the biblical text. You have church traditions that have named these dudes. Uh, we don't know it. Like there, There's legitimately no mention of their name until 500 AD, uh, 500-something it was a it was some some person who made the declaration of what their name was based on Babylonian names, um, but we don't know them. We have no idea what happened to them. But I can tell you one thing: they thought that this king was worth praising. Story's not about the magi. Story's never about the magi. They just they're just characters. Story's about this king that deserved the honor and praise. This Jesus. But the Magi are not the only people in the story, right? So they go to the palace and they find Herod. Herod the Great, he's known. Uh, Typically, when a ruler has the word great at the end of their name, it actually means they were really terrible. Um, And and we actually know a lot more about Herod than we do do these Magi. we, we know that he was the longest-running Roman king over Judea. Uh, he, he, he held his reign on for probably, uh, probably the longest time. I mean, he was installed for several decades, and that was basically unheard of because almost every Roman ruler was murdered. Uh, it was just the way it worked. You know, you, you want that position, you go kill him. Anybody wants to be a pastor here, don't kill me. <laughs> this is not a position of power. <laughs> um, but, but he was the longest running. Um, also, he was apparently super paranoid, and that might have been the reason he was the longest running. Um, he, he ended up, according to Josephus, who was a, a scholar in the hundreds, um, so it was a 126 AD. So, I mean, he's pretty far removed. This is at least 126 years uh, before Jesus was probably born about four BC, uh, we've we've definitely put the year date on the wrong one. But but uh, Josephus writes that Herod apparently contracted some illness that made him really paranoid. Probably some sort of a mental illness. Um, we have no idea what. We have no idea what the symptoms were. We just know that he was super de duper paranoid. Uh, so paranoid that he actually thought maybe his mom, or I'm sorry, <coughs> his wife. Was, was plotting against him, so, she, so he killed her. Um, his wife was actually Jewish. His wife was actually uh, uh, very aware of, of, of um, Jewish uh, rules and regulations and prophecies, but he didn't consult his wife. Why? Probably because she was killed at this point. And then he uh, thought maybe two of his younger sons were plotting to take over, so he killed them. And we know of two most likely that were killed, but it was probably even more. And then, just to make it even better, uh, Herod, in his paranoia, figured that the Jews were trying to take control. And I mean, to be fair, they were. There were th- this was a really cush time in, in, in uh, history for, the, for uh, Judea. 
But Cush doesn't mean good. Uh, there, there were tons of insurrections. There were uh, <coughs> Jewish uh, uh, groups that were coming in. They were trying to take over things. Um, they were trying to, trying to use military means, guerrilla warfare, kind of like the Maccabees did, which was uh, a couple rules and reigns before. Um, but I mean, they, 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 were, they were coming in trying to take over. And so Herod, uh, when, when he died... He, he, when he had a plan set in forth that assassins were going to go out and kill hundreds of Jewish leaders. Um, that happened. When he died, the assassins went out and a whole bunch of Jewish leaders were assassinated because he was paranoid. And Herod wasn't totally bad. I mean, uh, he, he built the temple. Uh, took, as we find out later in this gospel, it took about 30 years to build. He also built his palace that was bigger than the temple, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there, right? Uh, so he built this wonderful palace. He, he secured a lot of roads. He was, he was brilliant. He was a good administrator. Um, but apparently he liked his power. He, he liked it a lot. So his oldest son uh, actually succeeded him. Um, I thought that the son killed Herod, uh, but uh, I can't find any reference to that, so I probably just made it up. You know, I, I'm a pastor, I just make stuff up all the time. Uh, so, so uh, but his son succeeded him, and we actually find that out later in this chapter. Um, so, uh, I'm, but Herod, in response to finding out that there was this person born king, he decides that he's going to start being crafty against him already. Um, you, you read in, in verse, uh, verse uh, three, when Herod the king heard this, that there was a, a king that was born, um, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, all Jerusalem doesn't mean all the people of Jerusalem. Actually, uh, just, just this, is, this is a Greek thing. All it, Words are always linked with other words that they don't necessarily link to in English. So really, what this should say is when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all the leaders of Jerusalem, or all the chief priests and scribes of the people, uh, were troubled with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. He was plotting. He wanted to defeat this king before he rose to power. So uh, they told him, the, the king was, or this, the Christ was to be born <laughs> in Bethlehem of Judea. Judea, by the way, is just Judah. Um, it's just the Greek way of saying it. Um, so, so these chief priests and the scribes tell Herod where he's to be born. And then Herod, some in verse seven, summoned the wise men and secretly, or secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. This is why the Magi were not in the nativity scene and should not be in our nativity set. Put them on the other side of the mantle. Uh, <laughs> the, the, they, they, they came because the star appeared. The star appeared because Jesus was born. There was a time previous that they, they, they'd been traveling. And then, just to skip ahead, verse 16 of chapter 2, then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men because they left, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under. The star had been up for like two years, maybe a year and a half, uh, but it, it had been up there. The wise men came way later. 
So, and we know that because the very next words, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. So Herod liked his power so much that not only would he kill his wife, not only would he kill uh, his sons, not only would he kill uh, a whole bunch of Jewish leaders when he died just in case they might have been plotting his death, he killed children. So much that a voice was heard in Ramah weeping in loud lamentation, uh, Rachel, meaning the people of Judea, weeping for her children. You've also got some other characters in here, the chief priests and the scribes. What did they do? They didn't do anything. There is no statement of anything that they did to stop it. See, even at the announcement from these magi that there was a king who had been born, the Messiah, the the Christ, what did they do? They just tell the the well-known-to-be-wicked king where he was supposed to be. Jesus didn't even have to start his public ministry before he was tried to be killed. He didn't even have to start his public ministry for the scribes and the Pharisees to seek for his death. Because this was the king who was going to usurp their kingdom. Remember, like I said, this was a pretty good time. Uh, The scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priests, man, they had it good. Uh, They got to walk around, look all holy. We're going to get to that. I love, I love when Jesus rebukes the Pharisees. Um, you know, you're like whitewashed tombs. Um, I mean, just, just the words that he uses are awesome. But this is before even Jesus starts speaking. And, uh, and, and they're, they're, they're not doing anything. They were complacent. They were cool with where it was. Hey, you want to know the, the scripture reference for that? Here, we'll tell you the scripture reference, wicked King Herod. That's, uh, that's, that, that is awful. <laughs> this is terrible. So what I like about this particular text, and it's weird to say that I like something that results in the killing of children, but what I like about this text is it really shows that there's two primary ways that people respond to the news of Jesus. And I'm not just talking Christmas, I mean in general. Either he, he's loved and adored and praised and worthy of being seen at any cost, and worshipped at any cost, or he's treated with contempt and hatred, and needs to be silenced. Now, here's the thing that struck me. That's the benefit of preaching, is, is, is I, I try to be struck by the text before, before I come before you. Um, I'd like to pretend I'm more like the Magi, but honestly, I'm a lot more like Herod. I got my kingdoms, I like my kingdoms. I got my minor kingdoms. I got my major kingdoms. I like, I like my kingdom. I like being king. And I'm not talking just king of my own castle, but I mean, I like being king of my free time. You know what, you know what makes me want to go in, into a, a fit and start spinning around and screaming and throw a temper tantrum? When my free time is interrupted. When I put my kids down for a nap and they're supposed to be sleeping and one of them wakes up, mm, <laughs> the, the, the bear starts. I mean, I, I like my free time. I'm supposed to have at least two hours. Where's the Benadryl? <laughs> um, that's a pretty minor one. But, but I like doing things my own way. And when people get in my way, 
Well, I like to stop them. That's where my heart goes. Doesn't mean that I'm always like that. Doesn't mean that I always do that. But I can tell you, my heart stirs for the things that I like to do when they don't get done. I like to be king. And I will squash things that get in my way. Unfortunately, that is often my own children, my wife, my friends, my coworkers, whether it's, whether it's at home or at my job or, or, or anywhere else. Man, I like to be Herod, like to be Herod the Great. And then I also like to be those scribes and Pharisees. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not somebody that likes to sit in an ivory tower and read books and not bring stuff uh, down for people, people to know. That's not what I like to do. But boy, is there that, that temptation in me to like to read all the books and go to all the conferences and why well, I, I, I stream them. I haven't gone to a single conference. I can't afford a plane ticket. Are you kidding? Uh, <laughs> so, but but I, li- I like to know all the stuff and I like to give people the scripture reference. Oh, you've got a question. Let me show you where, where that is in scripture. And I like to put up my nose and I like to be all prideful about my knowledge. But, you know, in reality, it's not always what I expect. Sometimes when I know something, I don't really know it. And I need to be corrected. And that's where God's word comes in. That's where God's word hits me right, right in the heart every time. My prayer is typically don't let me leave your word unstirred when I read my Bible or listen to my Bible. I'm always rushing somewhere, so I listen to my, I listen to the Bible all the time. But, but hopefully you can see that too in yourself. You like to be Herod. You like to be Herod the Great. You like to be that scribe, that Pharisee, that chief priest. There's that inner desire that you don't always give into, but it's a temptation that sits. It sits at the door and knocks, not always Jesus. And sometimes we open the door. We sin. We do. We make mistakes. And then... Even worse, we don't just make a mistake. We, we, we stomp on people. Every one of us has done it. Whether saved or unsaved, Christian or not, good Christian, not, elder, deacon, uh, you know, what, what, whatever, whatever our title is, man, we, we like to be Herod. But we're supposed to be like the Magi. We're supposed to be taking everything we got and bringing it, bringing it forward to the worship and adoration of God for the glory of God. To see God's son magnified in his beauty, in his radiance, to adore him. That's what we're supposed to be doing and we know we're supposed to be doing that. So Jesus elicits one of those two responses. Either I like to be king and I'm gonna make sure I silence him or I realize that my kingdom is really his kingdom and I'm going to give it over to him delightfully, knowing that it's his. I'm a, uh, we're, we're, we're all just, just going about this world that's already Jesus's. There's not a facet of your life that's not already Jesus's. When we say we surrender it to God, it's not because we're holding tight on to it. It means that I'm just willing to let it go and, uh, and let him pull it because it's already his. Whether that's something you do, whether it's something you like to do, you need to make sure that it's Jesus's. You need to make sure that you're not trying to be the king or the queen or the Herod of your, of, of, of your stuff. 
Just ask him. Just ask God, what, where, what am I trying to be king over that needs to be taken? What am I trying to be king over that needs to be about you and not about me? He'll answer you. You might not expect or like his response, but Jesus will let you know. So you guys ever had something that you expected to be one way and it's another way? You will. You have and you will. And praise God, because if, that's, if that little baby boy wouldn't, wouldn't be in that little house playing with his mom, there would be no salvation because we could never get there. I'm a sinner in need of grace. You are all sinners in need of grace. If you trust the Lord, if you love the Lord, man, you are a saint, but you are not sainted to the point of being without sin. Paul makes that clear in Romans uh, 7, 8, and 9. We need the, the saving love of Jesus, and we need to mortify or destroy our sin because it's still in us, still there. So when, when we read Matthew chapter 2, when we read about the visit of the Magi, it's not about the Magi, it's about Jesus. When you, do, when you go about your business this week, it's not about you, it's, not about, it's about Jesus. When you earn your paycheck, it's not about you, it's, not about, it's, it's actually about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the, this, this good news that it's not ours. Because if we know him, our sin... It's not ours, it's his. He's taken it, he's atoned for it. That is wonderful news to me and I hope it's wonderful news to you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for help. And I, I, pray, I pray confessing, Lord, honestly, that, that um, I've, tried to, I've tried to control things that are not mine to control. I've tried to control you at times, Lord, and that's not the way it works. You are the sovereign king of the universe, to whom and by whom and for whom all things have been created. <coughs> Lord, I pray for the help to repent. I pray for the help of, of myself to repent, and I pray for the help to come to this congregation that we might repent that we might surrender to you all the things that we're being like Herod over. Give us freedom from, that, from our sins, Lord. Be glorified in us. May we offer you praise and honor and gifts. <clears throat> May we display the wonder of this good news that you redeem sinners, even like the Magi, who were Gentiles, the Jews should have gotten it. They didn't. The Gentiles came and praised you. We are Gentiles. May we praise and adore you. Amen.